Coming up on today's Federal Newscast, members of Congress ask again when can federal employees expect to see the pay raise they were promised. Paid family leave for federal employees is back on the table. And we get a look at the kinds of services the government purchased from vendors last year. These stories and more in today's Federal Newscast. Welcome to today's episode of the Federal Newscast. I'm your host, Eric White. House lawmakers in the National Capital Region want another update on the timing of the 1.9% pay raise for federal employees. Congressman Jerry Connolly, Don Beyer, Jennifer Wexton, Elijah Cummings, John Sarbanes, and Eleanor Holmes Norton are asking the Office of Management and Budget and the Office of Personnel Management for more details on when exactly federal employees can expect to see the raise and a retroactive lump sum payment. They want to know whether it's realistic for federal employees to see a difference in the upcoming March 15th paycheck. Twelve House Democrats are trying again to give federal employees paid family leave. Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney is reintroducing the Federal Paid Leave Act. This version would give all federal employees up to 12 weeks of paid leave, replacing the patchwork of leave options they currently have to take sick time, care for family members, or witness the birth, adoption, or fostering of a new child. House Democrats have been trying for years to get similar legislation through Congress. House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer introduced a similar bill back in 2009. It passed the House, but not the Senate. There is now bipartisan and bicameral backlash against the Interior Department's newly proposed rule concerning its Freedom of Information Act procedures. In a letter to Acting Secretary David Bernhardt, Senators Chuck Grassley, Patrick Leahy, and John Cornyn, along with Chair of the House Oversight and Reform Committee Elijah Cummings, expressed concerns that the proposed rule appears to restrict public access to DOI's records and delays the processing of FOIA requests in violation of the letter and spirit of FOIA. The IRS is no longer the only agency dealing with scammer phone impersonators. We get more from Federal News Network's Tom Temin. Now it's the Homeland Security Department. Its Office of Inspector General has issued a fraud alert saying DHS phone numbers have been spoofed and used by people claiming to be from U.S. immigration or other law enforcement agencies. The callers try to obtain personal information with made-up tales of identity theft. The IG has established a hotline for people who think they might have been victims. I'm Tom Temin. President Trump's nominee for Homeland Security Inspector General promises to keep the office independent and keep the lines of communication with Congress open. Joseph Kafari tells the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee he'll especially keep them informed on possible whistleblower retaliation. No date has been set yet for a committee vote on his nomination. DHSOIG has been without a permanent chief since Obama appointee John Roth left in November of 2017. The president's new nominee to become permanent director of the Office of Personnel Management already has support from several federal employee organizations. The Senior Executives Association, Federal Managers Association, and three other groups within the Government Managers Coalition write to Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee leaders to express support for Dale Cabanis. The groups say Cabanis has the background necessary to give crucial guidance to federal employees. They reiterated their concern about the lack of permanent leadership at OPM. 
Senator James Lankford is out with the latest edition of his Federal Fumbles Wastebook. Lankford says this year's edition focuses more on a lack of good government policy and process than previous editions. He flagged a handful of issues within the federal workforce itself that he says deserve more attention. The special retirement supplement for federal employees who are statutorily required to leave federal service before they're eligible for Social Security benefits is another issue. He also advocates for many of the Trump administration's proposals to reorganize government and merge some agencies. Proposed budget cuts at the EPA receive a strong disapproval from the union, which represents a good amount of its employees. The American Federation of Government Employees Council 238 says a proposed 5% cut to non-defense discretionary spending would impact the EPA's mission at a time when it's already cut to the bone. Acting OMB Director Russ Vaught proposed the 5% cut in an op-ed last week. Any spare parts Marines need to fix weapon systems are now available to them. The Corps' new Advanced Manufacturing Operations Cell is a 24-7 help desk that points Marines in the right direction to find a part to fix weapon systems. If they still can't find the part, AMOC will 3D print it for the Marines. It'll alleviate some major headaches for mechanics who could not find parts to fix older equipment. Senators on the Armed Services Committee caution the leader of U.S. Transportation Command to be careful as the military privatizes the way it transports service members' goods during moves. Senator Richard Blumenthal asks Transcom Chief General Steve Lyons for a commitment to keep the needs of families a priority as the command changes the way it moves goods. Some senators say they fear Transcom's moving services privatization will follow the same route as the Defense Department's privatized housing, which is currently embroiled in a scandal with lead paint, mice, and mold. President Trump signs a new executive order designed to help federal employees come up with a better plan to prevent veteran suicide. The EO creates an interagency task force to develop a health strategy on preventing veteran suicide. Veteran suicide went up 26% between 2005 and 2016. The Departments of Veterans Affairs, Health and Human Services, Homeland Security, and Defense will sit on the task force. Federal research and development efforts around biofuels, bioproducts, and biopower have a new overarching framework to follow. An interagency group led by the Agriculture and Energy Departments finalizes the Bioeconomy Initiative Implementation Framework to coordinate goals, programs, and address any gaps in R&D. The Biomass Research and Development Board hopes the framework will increase government accountability and efficiency, maximize interagency coordination, and accelerate innovative and sustainable technologies to improve national security, economic growth, job creation, and environmental quality. The federal market for mergers and acquisitions among contractors remains vibrant. Details from Federal News Network's Jason Miller. Companies providing professional services to agencies were more active in 2018 in trying to expand their capabilities. New data from Bloomberg government found 36% of all mergers and acquisitions last year were among professional services companies. IT firms accounted for 32%, while the defense and aerospace and health sectors accounted for the remaining 32% combined. Overall, Bloomberg government says 44% of all deals were to expand a contractor's market share or add new expertise. I'm Jason Miller. And a district court judge orders the General Services Administration to release appraisal information about the FBI's J. Edgar Hoover building, as well as offers it received for the property. GSA previously redacted the information in response to our Freedom of Information Act request filed by Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, or CREW. 
This comes after the same judge in December ordered GSA to do a more comprehensive search for FBI headquarters records in response to Cruz FOIA request. You can find more information about these stories at federalnewsnetwork.com, search Federal Newscast, subscribe to the Federal Newscast on iTunes or Podcast One, and follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Federal Newscast. I'm Eric White. Thank you.